0: Welcome back to PodX. This is me, Ayush Majithya, your host. Our guest for today is Abhijit Kaji. Abhijit Kaji is an entrepreneur and co-founder at Kanyamed, a company that produces workwear uniforms for medical professionals. He's also a partner at 606 Ventures, an early stage investment fund, investing in companies that are building from India and for India. He has done his MBA from Stanford University and worked different roles at different companies, which has contributed incredibly to his growth. And I'm really excited to have Abhijit as a guest on this podcast. So Abhijit, thank you so much for joining in. Thank you so much, Ayush, for having me. Um, very excited to be here. Awesome. So for the audience that doesn't know, I've been really, I actually came across you through a LinkedIn post about kanyamed and I found it very, very interesting and fascinating because I really love about how you're praising the doctors, people in the work, where, uh, people in the medical workforce. And also if you could give us a brief about what kanyamed is to the audience that doesn't know.
1: Sure, no sure. Um, so um, the the thesis is that you know that you have a Nike, Lululemon, Adidas, Puma for athletes and amateur athletes um, across the world, especially in India. But um, and I, I told, by the way, I'm a former athlete as well, and I totally understand how rigorous an athlete's job can be. Right, like um, so you require a lot of technology and fabrics to kind of make sure the performance is optimum of what you're wearing. But unfortunately, the same hasn't been provided to medical professionals in India. Uh, Medical professionals, of course, heroic individuals, right? Saving lives, alleviating pain, uh, some of the doctor and nurse conversations that you have, right? You kind of hear the real heroic stories of like gunshot wounds, open heart surgeries. But if you see over the last hundred years, uh, medical apparel has really not evolved. If you speak to, you know, your parents or their parents and their parents as well, medical apparels remain the same, boxy, scratchy, scrubs, right? And we feel there's an opportunity for us to kind of provide uh, apparel, which is backed by technology, very cool and comfortable at the same time. So there's a fashion element as well. At the same time, we feel like there's an opportunity to really use technology, whether it's, you know, water repellent, do some cool treatments on it. And all the products that we've been kind of supplying, has a real element of technology and sustainability in the supply chain right we are also trying to you know go the extra step and it will make sure um, the fabrics that we are using are 100% you know um, friendly for the for the for the environment right so i think this, this is just the start of what we are doing but we are
0: very excited to you know build out an entire apparel line focused primarily at medical professionals yeah i i think you all are doing an absolutely amazing job and plus the field where you all are also creating awareness about it Y'all aren't just like producing the cloth and um, the clothes for them, but you're also creating a sense of awareness that people need to know about what's happening in the lives of medical professionals and all. And I think that's really interesting because I find that truly interesting to get an insight into their lives. And there was so much which I didn't know what happens in their lives or what they go through. Because I think one of the posts where you said that um, around 70% of people, um, people in the medical field have um faced uh, either while viol- people have been violent to them or people have been rude to them in terms of words or something like that. And so I think spreading that knowledge is very important, which y'all are doing both ways, not just in terms of the clothes.
1: No, 100 percent I think um uh, this is we, this is a mission, right? I think we started this second is in a parallel line, but first is um um so I've had many people in my life who have kind of you know um you know influenced my life and a lot of them are medical professionals, right? Um uh, my granddad had died of cancer at a very early age. Um, I was very young, so I didn't get a chance to meet him much. My, uh, my dad, sister, and brother in law both are doctors, somebody who influenced a large part of who I am today, right? They're like second parents to me. And um, I get a chance to interact with them all the time and kind of realize that the, the doctor's job is really tough, really, really tough, right? They're working like 16, 18 hours a day. Today, I speak to, I speak to around 40, 50 medical professionals a day, right? They call up, I do some customer service myself, try to interact with them. Also run a personal blog called Capes of India, where we kind of share stories of medical professionals. And some of these, you know, young doctors are doing 36-hour shifts, right? And for some of us who are doing desk jobs, that's like unheard of, right? We do 12, 14-hour days and we are like exhausted, right? Now, imagine doing 36-hour shifts and yet kind of being told by patients and, you know, um, or being rude to doctors or there's physical abuse and 75% of medical professionals have been physically or mentally harmed that is an appalling number I feel appalling right really really disappointing and embarrassing and um, I think a major part of our mission is to celebrate the medical professionals right I really genuinely believe they are heroic I really do believe yes people go to the movies and you know athletes but why aren't medical professionals um Lord, I'm not able to understand that. I really just don't, right? Um, I'm sure each of us have had an experience where a family member, parent, a sibling, an uncle, aunt have kind of been admitted to the hospital, and we are at the mercy of the medical professional to like kind of provide us information, to kind of share what the cure is, and various reasons, and not just the doctor, but the nurse the staff at the hospital, various people. And right? all these people in the medical medical fraternity, I, I my, in my opinion, are doing a heroic job. COVID is an example of that, right? So it's a, each one of us, including me and the rest of Kanya, team, we are on this mission that we feel like, yes, our apparel, we're creating this amazing apparel where it kind of improves their life and kind of increases their efficiency and productivity. But I, I understand that's not the monumental benefit. I also feel a part of our mission is to kind of, you know, put it out there that, you know, these individuals are like absolute legends, right. And they deserve their due by the way, they're humans. And we totally understand that. Right. And mistakes are made. And that's why sometimes I understand, you know, the other side of the coin is that there was, a, there was like, firstly the physical abuse, doesn't warrant anything, right. But even there was a verbal or some kind of, you know, dialogue, I understand they're humans mistakes are made, but doesn't discount the fact that they're doing like heroic tasks. Right. So that's a little bit of the mission where kind of what we are up to. Right. And uh, we are very excited by it. And we think
0: we've really just gotten started. It's really just day zero here. No, well, I think you're doing a great job. And I really, really hope that this awareness spreads and continues across the country. The kind of knowledge which you're spreading is amazing. Right. Thank you. Sir. So, yeah, you know, I wanted to come to this part, which is while starting Kanyamad, obviously it's a very different field. Um, It's not very common. People don't talk about, Oh, I want to start a business and create apparels for the medical industry or something like that. So what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, great question. Yeah. So I think, um, uh, first thing we started, this is we,
1: as is a COVID business in some sense, right? we started, um, in the middle of the pandemic. Right. So I think, um, just, I think figuring out all aspects supply side, I think is particularly been very challenging. Right. I mean, um, Getting a sustainable supply chain of raw materials of consistent quality, backed by technology and science, and so our fabric, all the fabrics that we use, are proprietary, right? To kind of get the mix exactly right was, uh, in some sense, has been challenging right at the same time i think uh you know talent acquisition i think talent acquisition has been challenging as well it's um it's a space which is not very common as you said we're kind of build up building out the skill set as we go um so i think that has been something which has been challenging as well um third is you're right it is a niche it is a niche and i think um not many people i feel i kind of understand the problem statement very well right which is so sad right because there are eight million medical professions in this country but um Yet kind of, uh, it's not as, uh, you know, uh, you know, part of the daily conversation of kind of understanding what the problems of medical professionals are, right? Uh, what do they wear to work? Where, when do they sleep? What food do they eat? They're like, today, if you're kind of making a snack food or you're making like a fashion product, you kind of understand that right? this is what the usage patterns are. This is what they demand. But here people don't. And right now, Vanshika and I, my co-founder and I have kind of spent, I think, really done the 10,000 hour equivalent, right? Not exactly that, but to really understand what our consumer is and what their needs are, right? And I don't even think we've scratched the surface, right? Uh, but um, to kind of expect that from a community has been challenging. And third is, I think we are just getting started to start a community, right? I think we want to build a community of like-minded medical professionals and individuals who really respect and kind of understand the mission that we are doing. And, uh, you know, we are following, right? And we uh, that's what, in some sense, our expectation is right so um, yeah i think that's been some of the challenges and i think uh, by the way right any any i was an investor for the longest time right so I, i've spoken and interacted with a ton of entrepreneurs um, entrepreneurship isn't, isn't easy. It's it's really, really tough. I mean, you are an entrepreneur yourself, right? So you're running a, you're a content creator. And I think congratulations to you for starting solely. You probably understand this as well, right? Um, getting people to speak, making sure like the podcast has enough viewership, making sure the content is edited well, like all aspects. And it's very unpredictable, right? I often say this, right? Like, I mean, we've grown now, right? We have like, uh, north of like 35, 40 people working in Med, but like, a day doesn't go by where like at multiple times a day I feel like we are ruling the world and I feel multiple times that oh my god like really will we even exist and that's just the volatility and kind of the the fun of problem solving of entrepreneurship that I really like right I think everything is a problem is a problem solving statement right and I think that is the real joy in building right and I shied away from being an entrepreneur for the longest time. Right. And now I'm 13. I've just uh, gone down the entrepreneurship path. It's been a year and it's been the most fulfilling experience of my life. And I, I don't think I can ever go back to not being an entrepreneur. It's just amazing.
0: Okay. I I don't really know if I'm, if I can consider myself as an entrepreneur or not, but yeah, some of the feelings which you said, which I do definitely relate to, like um, when I get a person for a podcast who has like a huge number of followings, uh, who has a huge number of followers, what happens to me is, wow, this podcast is going to be my breakthrough podcast. I'll become very famous with that. And I get that high. And then when I see the views, it doesn't reflect and all. I do feel that low. Maybe should I stop this and all? But that makes it interesting and fun. So I really, like like you said, I do experience the highs and lows. So it's the like fun part of it. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, a question which I wanted to ask you was, do you still micromanage? Or because you're like a company that is around a uh, one-year-old So do you still have to like micromanage things or do you leave it to other people to do it or how does it happen?
1: It's a great question you have, right? And I think as a leader, um, it's something that Vanshaka and I think a lot about decision making, right? About how decisions are made in an organization and how they kind of follow through. Um, what I will say is to be very honest that um, as an entrepreneur, um, it's, you know, you always feel like, oh my God, like, do I need to be part of every decision? I'm just, although I'm the co founder. And Vanshaka and I really firmly believe that we do not want to be part of every decision. We've feel we will only get the best out of like, by the way, who we think are like some of the smartest people in, in, in the country who are working for us. And really, I do feel they're like, just like very, very solid people, right. In each of their fields. Right. And uh, we try not to get involved in every decision. Um, I'll be lying to you if I say that if I don't, right, I think I'm not a perfect leader. I'm, I'm only growing and I'm only learning more. And, uh, but it's something that we've tried to kind of, you know, create a culture of, um, you know, uh, of authenticity, right? We want people to be authentic to they are, and we want people to be vulnerable, right? These two things we feel create trust in the organization, right? And when trust is created in the organization and it is kind of top down, if I kind of show trust to like the people who I am, who are working or reporting to me, it kind of creates a sense that Hey, by the way, you know, failure and mistakes are not what is shunned here. In some sense, they are okay. That's not, a, that's not an issue at all, right? Trying is the issue, right? If you're not trying to make a decision or not being risky, that's when the, that's the mistake here, right? And this is a philosophy that Vanshika and I have kind of been trying to instill in the organization. We've not been perfect. I do not claim to be perfect, but it's something we're trying, and it has been working well for us. It's created an organization where I do feel like we do trust each other. And I do feel the decision has been made successfully. There have been a few mistakes made. And I think um, it's been something that uh, we will only evolve from. And I do have, I am quite happy with the growth and the retention. It is an organization that we've had, right. We do kind of do this um, uh, NPS score, right. On kind of how happy the employees Employee, uh, the kind of team members are in the organization and we've been very happy with the feedback right and I think we recently wrapped up um, uh, two days back secret santa in the office right? which one second I didn't organize it was organized by people in the office and it was like you know just an hour of banter in the organization of pulling each other's legs to understand which gift was given to who and we did like a very nominal like 250 rupees uh, like uh, that was the that was the gift limit and honestly you know one second I step back and be like wow it's been a year since we've built this and having people interact and have a community in the organization of people who care for each other. And, you know, can, you know, humor, I feel is the most powerful thing in business, right? Um, yeah, hey, are you sure you're there?
0: Yeah, I'm there. I'm there. I can hear you. It's clear for me.
1: Hello. A- am I frozen yeah. for you? Yeah. So I think, you know, humor is... Yeah, you were frozen, but I think it's fine. You're back. So I'm saying, you know, humor is such a powerful thing in business, right? I feel like if there is humor in relationships, it kind of shows that there's comfort in relationships, right? And we saw that two days back and we were just like thrilled. We were thrilled, right? And I think going forward as we scale, right, um, we just um, hope we can continue doing this, right? I mean, Eventually, I think the real leverage is having people who care and support you through the journey and who believe in your mission right and our job is to kind of value create for them and with them right i think that's the goal that we are kind of doing i look at myself as in some sense um, like just a chief communication officer or a chief coordinating officer right Um, uh, really the real work is being done by the people who are you know really sitting out there and kind of you know doing the day-to-day ops, right? Eventually it's my job to kind of do like blue sky thinking and stuff like that. But the real work and the real company is being run by these people. So the way decisions are made end up being really important. And that's the kind of stuff that we think about.
0: No, I, I think it's a really amazing thing, which you've done over here, creating that culture of trust and environment where they can fail freely. Like you spoke about it, that you all have made mistakes, but it's okay. You'll accept those mistakes and move on. Cause like I was reading this story once, Um, I think there was, um, it was a a story for John D. Rockefeller. So basically, a person was working in his company for 30 years. And he would continuously like try to improve and get new things out in the company and make more profits and all. And one time the employee made a mistake. So he took a decision and the mistake cost John D. Rockefeller around $20 million at that time. So everyone thought that um, that employee would get fired and all that stuff. But instead, John called him in his office and he said, I've seen your record. You've been here working for 30 years. You've always been continuously trying to innovate and, you know, um, bring out more profits to the company. And also this is one mistake. And I do understand that it wasn't intentional because you've been here for so long and also he actually gave him a promotion instead.
1: Wow. No, yeah, no, I think uh, we've heard many of these stories right? in the modern uh, I think a man a school of management of like you know you got to celebrate failure. Now again, I I my views are not exactly the same. I think I agree. Yes, you should celebrate and risk taking and eventually you have to kind of support that. But it has to obviously kind of for startups it's sometimes is not possible, right? Because companies are small, it's not the Rockefeller Foundation or like some of these larger companies. So you kind of need to kind of manage a situation situational-wise. I feel like sometimes taking an advice and kind of extrapolating it everywhere may not work every organization has to conduct in some sense, take their own decisions on what works and what doesn't work. But I, in theory, I do agree with
0: that. You know, another question, which I was really curious about asking you have worked in the corporate space and now you're in the startup space. So in the corporate space, also you were at a pretty high leadership position. And even at the startup space, you're at a leadership position. So what were the differences that you felt in both the way you're leading the people in both ways?
1: No, I think it's a very interesting question, right? So I've primarily been uh, on the services side, right? So management consulting, I was in investing. I was also an operating road at Reliance. Um, and um, I think uh, when you're kind of running your own shop, right? You're being an entrepreneur. Um, I think it's just very different. I think it's very different. You're always on it. It's, um, I feel how much ever kind of, you know... Um, you try, right? Um, I think um, the sense of ownership needs to be there, right? And why I really enjoyed my previous gigs as well is I tried like taking using the platform that was provided to me, right? Whether it was by Reliance or like Warburg Pinkish or Booz and Company to try to make me feel like, yes, okay, I am not like um, an equity shareholder here, right? But I want to do this job like it's like I am, right? I want to kind of behave as if, if something wrong happens, it's on me. If something wins, it's on me. Right. And I think I was given that a portion. So I'm very thankful to the organizations I was part of. Right. Because I was able to kind of grow with that. Right. Now, obviously today is very different being an entrepreneur, when you're like the leader of the organization and in some sense, the like the, the kind of the primary decision maker in some sense as well. Right. Like um, when I say primary, the, the major decisions are kind of relied on us. Right. On the kind of strategic path of the company. Um, the, the pressure is different right I'd be lying to say if the level of ownership is felt the same nor does it right it's really not uh, but um, but I've tried to really know, I've spent nine years in the work of the workforce kind of being a, a, a professional. Right. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it as well. And I think there's a reason why majority of the people do it. Right. You get a strong sense of community of people who are working with you, who are really smart people from different facets of life. You get a chance to interact with them. It's not as lonely. Entrepreneurship is a very, very lonely job. It's a very lonely job at the top where you have few mentors. And I know it's something you and I have spoken about in the past. Uh, but otherwise, it's kind of you alone, right, with your co-founder. Right. And I think um, those are the core differences that I found. Uh, But both have been amazing experiences. But in some sense, I've realized that maybe entrepreneurship is my calling, right? I think um, uh, it's something which I feel like is something that that I was meant to do, right? And it's something which kind of gives me a high.
0: So I hope I answered your question. No, it did. It did. I think it clearly stated out the differences and which one you found better. So like you clearly stated that this is what's your personal opinion. Other people may prefer different things. So I think that was a beautifully answered question but you know uh, I think uh, so the advice you know I asked this to someone else and I got a similar advice you know like you spoke about creating a level of ownership and all that stuff so I I, I won't say the name but there's a mutual of us who gave me this advice which is um, you need to treat your business as startup like a shop so basically uh, the shopkeeper is in a shop and whenever customer comes he will show his products and all that stuff and as soon as the customer leaves he will also clean his shop so that uh, more customers keep on coming and I think you uh, said that Uh, in a way you said it that way that you know you need to be involved in it you need to do the ground up work and the top level work both of them you need to be you're like the last line of defense yeah yeah you are absolutely right you're absolutely right and i think um yeah i know i agree with you
1: i agree with you i agree with you
0: wait so i wanted to ask you this which is being in a startup so like you said there are ups and downs and all that stuff so has it affected your emotional or mental state in a way or how do you deal with it or what what happens in that
1: Oh, I think this is a phenomenal question. Really a phenomenal question. And it's so relevant. And right? I think um, um, again, there's no secret that mental health has never been more real, right, in the world that we live in, right? Especially in a, I was gonna say a post-COVID world, but clearly we're living in COVID, so COVID world, right? And I think um, as an entrepreneur, I think you're absolutely right, right? I feel I personally feel bouts of anxiety. Right. Um, I know, I'm sure I know friends of mine know entrepreneurs who feel it as well. And there's a level of uncertainty, right? There is a level of uncertainty. And especially when you have a workforce, um, you have a team, you have, in some sense, stakeholders, right? Whether it's customers, whether it's suppliers, who in some sense are not relying, but, are, you know, a lot of that kind of their day, their day, day time goes in kind of interacting with Kanyamed, right? And making sure Kanyamed's bills are paid on time. Salaries are paid on time. Customers get products on time. They get quality products. There are a lot of, in some sense, and this is, I define this as all value creation, right? If you define what is the value created by a company, it's all value creation. Now, I'll be egoistic to think that a lot of that depends on me, but some of it is, some of it is, right? Because I'm, in some sense, the co founder of the company and I'm very much day to day involved. But that creates a sense of pressure. It creates a sense of pressure. And I think that's something I enjoy as well, right? Because that's the kind of responsibility that comes with leadership. Uh, but at the same time, there are times when that creates anxiety as well. That, oh my God, like what will happen if kind of, you know, this doesn't go according to what we planned or what we, and that anxiety is kind of makes it, does, do, does make it difficult. And um, that's when I think having good advisors, good people to kind of, you know, go back to at night, at home, whether it's family, whether it's a partner um, becomes important. Right. And I think that's what I was kind of mentioning that. Right. And I think you followed up with the great question that entrepreneurship is a very lonely job. And I think um, you got to surround yourself around people who kind of, you know, support you through this journey. And I got to, I think we got to celebrate entrepreneurs. Right. And I think um, I used to say this before I was an entrepreneur, but I've really, really felt it. Right. I think there have been very tough moments for us. And there have been, by the way, amazing moments as well. We've really celebrated. Right. There's nothing like getting like winning a big purchase order and then delivering it to the customer well and the customer being like, by the way, this is the best product I've ever used and you just made my day, right? You get a message like that and oh my God, like it's probably the best thing anybody can hear, right? So it, it makes it all worth it. It makes, it's the most beautiful journey ever,
0: but you're absolutely right. There are times when it's mentally, can be mentally challenging. It can be. So, you know, I wanted to ask you this thing, then are there some certain practices which you follow, like, uh, w- when you wake up in the morning or before going to bed or certain, like, um, reading notes or writing down some stuff or something or journaling or anything? Um, so I don't do anything structured that way. What I kind of have a way is that,
1: um, um I, um, do a lot of like, uh, I don't know There, there been, there are weird times when you get ideas, right? Like okay. maybe like, uh, in the car. Or like, you may be like, I'm playing game. I play a lot of tennis, right? So that's kind of my meditation. So I, when I play ten- tennis, that's, I'm meditating. Like I'm completely just off for one hour. It's like, I'm in a state of flow in some sense. Uh, I kind of get a lot of ideas and I, I try to like write them down or kind of text them to my co-founder. be like, oh, by the way, like and like random thoughts and ideas that keep coming. So it's very unstructured, but they keep coming. At, during my work hours, I'm always with a notepad, right? Always with a notepad. Just keep writing ideas. like Even from talking to you and I get something, I just write it down. Right. Um, and then I think um, it's kind of having a discussion with the team to see if anything is actionable or else it just stays there. And then we keep kind of trying to check, check it in. Um, from a mental standpoint, I've tried to like, you know, um, kind of do also formal medica- meditation and it's been amazing. Right. Five, ten minutes of deep breathing kind of, you know, um, focusing on meditation. And I think that has been a very powerful experience for me. I use Headspace. It's a phenomenal app and it's something which helps clear my mind, right? I think like five, 10 minutes a day, it's a very small investment, clears my mind. Also at nights, I I game, like sometimes I just play like a fun game of Katan quickly online with friends and stuff like that. That's also been very important for me, right? And um, meeting friends is a very, uh, I think, good thing for me to kind of just like, you know, stay like, you know, just relax and kind of stay away from, work and, and personal uh, pressures as well, right? So social and professional pressures in some sense, yeah.
0: I, I try, you know, so there's something which I wanted to like just add on, which um, I tried meditation. Yeah. So this was like long back and um, basically I still try to do it, but the thing is I've still not found that calling or whatever. So I can't really focus whenever I try to meditate. Uh, my mind keeps on wandering and goes in different directions and my eyes keep on opening and closing and all that stuff. So I think hopefully I can become better at that because uh, whoever I've met a lot of. Have you tried guided meditation? Oh uh, no, I've not I've tried, guided tried. guided
1: you tried guided? So try Headspace. It's guided meditation where you kind of like somebody's talking to you, right? So they kind of keep telling you also. Oh, by the way, if you're wandering, not an issue. Try bringing yourself back, right? Try it out. I think it's it, it was. I had the same issue. I was like, I, I, that's why I prefer guided meditation. It's kind of something which I've enjoyed. You can kind of like pick the narrator. You can kind of pick the speed, pick the duration. There are quite a few things and it's quite nice.
0: Yeah, I I think I'll check it out then because like 5-10 minutes, it's like easier because I started actually trying to do straight away 30 minutes, but that seemed impossible at that time. It still seems impossible starting directly 30 minutes. yeah. Yeah. Yeah another part which i wanted to ask you is we've spoken about this on call also which is having mentors and mentees uh both relations so obviously while you're being an entrepreneur you have a lot of mentors and you are also you also have a lot of mentees so how do you think people should um you know build a connection with a mentor and uh, reach out to mentors and how how do you how do mentees reach out to you i would say both of those questions
1: um i think it's a great question right and uh I think um, um, it's a it's a very good question. I think, uh, firstly, I think you've got to to understand what the need for the mentor is, right? Are you looking for some business strategy? Are you looking for investor money? Are you looking for uh, something very particular, like domain expertise on textile, domain expertise in content creation, but it's kind of figuring out what you want to get first, right? After you kind of do that, I think it's good to kind of you know find like I think target people, right? People who are very senior, people who are not so senior, people who are little senior to you, right? Three levels, right? And then kind of try to, I think, kind of see kind of what their time capacity as well, right? Today, if you can, I would love to speak to like, right, you know, um the CEO of like you know like the officer sort of like Apple maybe like Tim Cook or like you know Mr. Bani right I would love to right but it's they are busy people they are busy making an impact I don't think they have time to kind of you know you know kind of spend time mentoring I think mentoring is also about time capacity right um, so I think that has been um, something which is I think very very important um, once you kind of get that target list out I feel it's important to run a CRM. When I say CRM, a strong list of people attract them based on the kind of people you've reached out to and what the response has been, right? I think better than not, is if you have a target list of an individual to get a warm introduction, nothing like it. I'd right? I mean, like, by the way, and, and I would state the ask very easily, right? Some people do not have time to do even one hour a month. And some people are like, by the way, you know, you just call me up when you have a need, even if it's 10 minutes, once a week, you call me whenever you be like, happy to. Right. So it's kind of setting the expectations. Right. And once that is done, and once the introduction is made, I think having the first session is very important because that kind of sets, is this like a mutually beneficial thing? Like what is the mentor looking to get out of it? And what is the mentee looking to get out of it? Because I think even the mentor is learning a lot from the mentee, right? While the mentee is re going to the growth round, right? It's sometimes like, a, not a parent, but it's like somebody who's kind of re going to the same path that person had gone when they were very young or like they were earlier in their career. Right. So I think that has been very interesting. And I've tried doing this and I think it's a hit or a miss, but I think it's a process. And after that, you do get people who kind of are invested and in looking to give back, right? Because they kind of realize that they've only reached it because they're mentors, right? So I think that has been very interesting.
0: So like, uh, like you said, the mentors, like they go back through their path and all. So that's one of, so is it like they, they're doing a revision of their whole life and that's how they learn again? Or what, what, what is the benefit for a mentor from a mentee? Exactly. If there are others. Sorry, can you just repeat the question? Okay, so I'm saying what are the other benefits that a mentor can get from a mentee? Because usually when we think about it, we just think that a mentee benefits from a mentor and a mentor is just giving it away for free.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I think there's a lot that the mentor can benefit. Right. I think firstly, um, one is I think learn the le- relearning the entire process. And I think sometimes they say right when you teaching it to somebody else or like kind of guiding somebody else, you yourself kind of learn relearn the process again. Right. So that's one. Second is I think you kind of understand. Um, you kind of remain relevant in the next generation, right? Assuming even the people are the same generation, right? You kind of are relevant to uh, doing the same task differently. Now, for example, if I am kind of giving advice to somebody on a go to market strategy for an apparel brand, right? Now, I've already done that once, but if I have to give it to somebody else again, um, he or she will kind of guide me on how it's going for them. Right? it may not go the same way as it went for me. So I kind of do problem solving for a second time or a third time or a fourth time. At the same time, I'm honing my own skill set around that right? So that's number two. Number three is as the um, mentee grows up and graduates, right? You kind of, uh, you know, um, you kind of like learn a lot about the person, right? And they've kind of grown up to become a leader, right? So in some sense, now you're not, you're, it's a, it's yet a mentee, mentee relationship, but some, in some sense, maybe a relationship of equals that right? you've got somebody who's very capable and you know, it's a powerful relationship that gets cured of, of gets gets created, right? Of people who mutually care about each other, who can bounce off ideas and he- enhance each other's network, right? So you're right. Early days, it starts off as maybe a one-way relationship, which I don't think it's ever a one-way relationship. I think it's always like a two-way stream. It may be called as somebody with more experience to somebody with less experience, but it's, I think it's always a two-way stream.
0: I think I will keep that in mind whenever I'm reaching out to other people, like you said, knowing the ask, knowing how it can benefit them, how it can benefit me. And yeah, I think it's great advice for me also.
1: Yeah, no, I think first thing, know your audience and kind of say the ask very clearly, right? Don't just say that, by the way, I want to mentor. What do you want to mentor for? What stage of your life? I want to make it specific so somebody knows that even if they're investing their time, why are they investing their time and what's in it for them?
0: And it no doesn't have to, by the
1: way, be monetary, monetary at all, right? There's, I think, there's a lot of other things can be on what is it for them as well.
0: Yeah, I actually had that someone. So I spoke to someone. Um, basically, that person, um, he gave, he gives advice to the younger generation and other companies and all that stuff, and he. Yeah, he gives it in the companies, not specific people. So whenever the team requires any help or something, they can approach him and all that stuff. And he has no monetary benefit from it. So I was very curious about it. Why? Because he spends a lot of time in it. So then he told me there are two things. One is his main business and one, this is like his passion project. So his main business makes him money and this passion project where he guides people and spreads his knowledge and all. He also gets to learn a lot from them. And he gets to be relevant in that field. So his business is, is in another field, and that's he's get mentoring in the media field and all that absolutely. stuff.
1: Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And that's so interesting, right? Because you kind of get diversity of experience if you kind of understand what another business line could be. Okay. So I totally respect and understand that, right? So I think um, like today if I'm in the apparel line, but I understand um uh, maybe like supply chain, uh, procurement a little bit, right? On how kind of the logistics space could work in, like on a last mile level or a first mile level. I can provide the same advice to somebody who's maybe in a very different industry, like maybe like, supply, like food, snack food, right? And I can kind of understand the dynamics of that.
0: Yeah, I think that can, yeah. So that's like a different thing, which is really interesting to me. So, you know, another section, which I wanted to cover in this podcast was, um, you've done your MBA from Stanford and you've also recorded another interview, which I found very interesting about speaking about your whole MBA journey and all that stuff. So I was curious about why do you think people should do MBAs after graduating? After graduating undergrad, I believe, right? Yeah, correct. So I actually think, you know, the, the
1: MBA experience is a very, very, very powerful experience. And right? I think it's something that in some sense changed my life of, uh, you know, having incredibly smart, diverse individuals around you, right? I think for me, the MBA experience wasn't about like education. I think you can, in this day and age, you can learn everything on YouTube, right? And there are plenty of platforms on that. You gonna learn finance, you learn marketing, you learn like uh, operations, everything, right? But being around very smart individuals, um, and these are not just like, you know, academically smart, they are very high EQ individuals, people who've had phenomenal experience. And this is like all kinds of diversity, right? So there could be geographic diversity, there could be like gender diversity, there could be diversity by sexuality, diversity by political views, right? All kinds of diversity in one place, right? And you kind of push each other to grow more. Right. Now I was around some really, really smart people and I and I think being around them, it changed the way I looked at life and the kind of the way I made decisions. Right? And I think particularly Stanford, which does better than some of the other universities, right? I, I think a lot of the other universities are incredible. So I don't want to kind of put other universities down at all. It's kind of changed the way I think about life, right? I Life is, yes, about making money, having a good family and kind of, you know, being comfortable. I think life is also about making a change, right? The fact, that you go to Stanford, you already have a major, major privilege, right? You're a real privilege to be there, right? So with that privilege comes responsibility. There's a responsibility that you need to go back, post the MBA, wherever you are, and make an impact on the community that you're part of, right? You need to make an influence, right? Small, big doesn't matter, right? In whether it's in your social group, whether it's in your professional life, you have a responsibility because you have been given this experience and you have this experience. You need to
0: take ownership. So would you say that an MBA helped you find your purpose? Uh, you know, I,
1: I I left, I left Sanford thinking I want to be an investor, but I, I think a year after Stanford, I became um, an entrepreneur, but I, what I will say is the mba changed the way i think about life right? the way i think about my personal and professional life and what really matters to me why what what matters to me in life and why that's what made that's what made me figure it out right and it made me realize that why am i on this earth why am i living here why what do i want to achieve i'm 30 today what do i want to achieve in the next couple of decades right i think that helped me i won't say gave me a 100% answer but it got me a lot closer than i was Right. And I think yes, it's called the Masters of Business Administration. Yes, there's a business element to it. you kind of interact with some of the smartest, the smartest professors and speakers, right? You have like Eric Schmidt teaching a class at Stanford, you have Tyra Banks teaching a class. You have like all these legendary CEOs who kind of teach classes and come by. Um, so I think all that is amazing, right? But I yet think the real essence is like interacting with these incredible people around you. Um, and I do think with a small bias that the people at Stanford are a little bit more special than um, the second, third, fourth business school. Right. And I think for me, it worked right? maybe for everybody it doesn't, but for me it did. And they kind of changed the way I think about life. Right. And, um, I highly recommend the business school experience. I highly recommend the experience of kind of working for three, four years, post undergrad, taking a year or two break kind of re gig because it's the only time in life you could be able to take a g- break right? Otherwise, it kind of work doesn't really stop otherwise. And think of it like, why do people want to, you know, go up my, Mount Everest? it's a life experience. Right. And I think uh, Stanford provides that to you. And you come back thinking that, you know, you want to change the world and you need to change the world, right? That's a responsibility. Right. And I, I take it as a responsibility. I need to do that. And I'm on that journey. Now, whether I do or not, I don't know, but I'm positive that I will make influence. And I already have, I feel in some sense.
0: No, I think you're doing a great job with the influence part. Cause I really love the stories that you're sharing about the medical professionals on your LinkedIn profiles. And I think it's very interesting and you're having a huge impact on different people around you. So yeah, I think you're doing a great job on that. Thank you you so much. much. You know, I wanted to ask you about this part, which is the last section, which is since you've been a part of an investment firm and all. So I was very curious about this. What do you think will be the future trends or where do you think the future lies now in terms of where should people be investing their money or where will be the technology? Where how will we be spending our time?
1: Um, I think it's very interesting, and right? I think that you kind of bring that up, right? There's never been a better time, I think, to kind of be an entrepreneur, right? Never been a better time, right? The tools that are kind of being provided to you as an entrepreneur, right? Whether it's hiring, whether it's product building, whether it's kind of figuring out like what your supply side is, how do you reach your customer? content creation across the board all these tools for like marketing ops product have never been easier right so i think you're going to see some of the smartest in the probably the most breakthrough inventions come out in this decade right and um i am uh, not a fortune teller but what i do think a couple of um, the trends that i'm seeing interesting is i think the shopping experience that you know it's the business that i'm kind of looking at is good evolved in a serious way right how a seller reaches the consumer is going to really change all the way from how the seller kind of procures material to reaches the customer and finds the customer, right. And monetize the customer. The entire shopping experience is going to change. Um, Second is, I think the entire, you know, to kind of take it back a little bit is how the supply chain, when I say supply chain, I think logistics has already been evolved a lot in such a fragmented industry. It's a lot of technology, a lot of kind of, you know, AI being used and kind of making sure um, the routes are kind of mapped in the most efficient way, products are reached in the fastest way. Um, you've seen the global supply chain as well disrupted in a very serious way because of COVID. But we're seeing a lot of innovation coming around that as well. Um, the countries are being less reliable on other countries, the kind of you know figuring out how to kind of manufacture in a smart way internally as well. Um I think finance is changing in such a smart way, right? How the how banks and trad- traditional banks are interacting with their consumers and kind of providing credit to them is changing, right? You're seeing um the last 15 years last 10 years we saw how upi kind of changed the way indians make transactions right i think in the next 10 years we will kind of see um a decentralized finance play a very very important role right the blockchain technology play a very important role of kind of how we kind of not just perceive our finance but the blockchain technology will also kind of play a very important role in how we consume content right the NFT, nfts and you kind of see now Facebook pushing meta in a very serious way right um, so I think there are some very interesting themes that are coming out right I, what I will say is what the 2000s were for coding I think the 2020s are going to be for content creation in a brand right? and I think that's what we're going to see in the next uh, 7 to 8 years and how kind of innovative content whether it's virtual reality and you know
0: other mediums are going to pop up right in the meta space as we speak and that's going to be very interesting to see Okay. Wait, so Avijit, uh, um, thank you so much for being a part. What would be your last advice for anyone who is watching or listening to this podcast? Um,
1: um I, I don't think I'm wise enough to give any advice, but I will kind of share a couple of things that you know that I try to live my life with, right? Um, oh, uh, I kind uh, of shared something.
0: Um, you your face was yeah, your face wasn't being seen for a second. Yeah, now it's seen. Yeah. So I think a couple of things that I think are, you know, kind of
1: been um, uh, important to us uh, or me as we've kind of, you know, um, I've built out my personal and professional journey. Um, one is I think um, giving back. I think giving back is very important. I think mentorship is very important. Um, I would not have reached here if it wasn't for the people who kind of, you know, believed in me. So I think it's important to kind of give back as, you know, I kind of, you know, grow into, I'm not saying successful, but I think grow into a little more wise individual with the years of experience. One um, second, I think um, advice to, I think, new entrepreneurs, um, the younger generation is, I think, um, two things, right? Um, I wish education kind of in India covered two, three things, right? One is, I think, storytelling. I think in India storytelling is not covered as much. Um, I think you, you forget India, anywhere in the world. I think storytelling is such an important part of being um successful uh, professional, right? Life is about storytelling, right? You're storytelling to your partner, you're storytelling to your parents, you're storytelling to your investors, you're storytelling to kind of the shopkeeper. I think it's a very important kind of skill set, right? People, communication, people will only listen to you if you storytell well, right? That's one. Um, I think second is I think um, I think financial literacy. I think it's kind of not as um, you know well taught. I think in the earlier days of college and school, I think it's very important. Just basic, very basic stuff. Uh, and today it's really everything's in the internet, right? So I think if I had to kind of give an advice is spend time, right? There are plenty of YouTube videos. There are two, three really nice ones, um, you know, where you kind of, you know, um, just the basics of saving, the basics of investing, compounding your wealth. And, you know, taking care of yourself, not to rely on, you know, salary to salary, right? India and rather so many countries are just, and, you know, the, the middle class and the below are just kind of consumed by debt. Right. And I think, yes, debt is good fuel for growth, but it kind of can, can be very, very challenging uh, for families to sustain right? So I think financial literacy really helps. And, um, finally, I think, um, um, I think fun, I think a little bit, a large part of I think life is having fun and being happy. Right, yet I think um, I talk to my grandmother all the time, right? And like, she's 85 now and like, what does success look like for her? I keep asking this question, right? And she's not going to remember like, what, what what, did she score in her final exams? And uh, when she was 30, how did she perform in her job? And when she was 40, how it went, um, she really kind of just remembers the relationships and the quality of the relationships and how fun the relationships were. So it's the famous Howard study, right? Um, relationship, the happiness is in some sense, how depth of your relationships, right? And how many relationships are those you have? I think focus on those relationships. Few quality ones, rather than kind of being out there and kind of creating just many relationships. Um, yeah, these are few mantras that I've learned on the way and kind of, kind of provided happiness and you know, stability to me. Um, so if I can kind of help anyone else, uh, would I be happy to help out? Uh, do reach out to me, my... Email is available on LinkedIn and my DMs are available if I can help anyone. Um, But yeah, I think that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, just for the audience to know, um, I reached out to Abhijee through LinkedIn. So yeah, he is available on LinkedIn, definitely. And yeah, Abhijee, thank you so much for joining in. It was amazing having you.
1: No, absolutely, Ayush. Thank you for having me. Again, I think it's incredible that you're doing this. And I think um, very, very entrepreneurial. I wish you all the best. I think... um, You're going to make a serious impact in life where whichever path you take and um, I'll be rooting for you and uh, your organization. I think you'll be doing well. So
0: uh, all the best and uh, look forward to keeping in touch, man.